0: We're going to be looking in the book of Philippians today, uh, Philippians chapter 4. So go ahead and turn there if you would. Um, I was going to say this is the second sermon of the day, but this may be the third or fourth or fifth sermon of the day. Um, Praise God. Um, I do want you to know um, that your pastor has given you a sermon already, though. The fact that because of circumstances in his life, he was unable to stand here today, He is showing you by example what it is to submit to the Lord. Because this church is not built on Dwayne Davis. This church is built on Jesus Christ. So as the Lord has given us a building on Van Buren, and as we begin ministry there, and and whatever the Lord may have for us, please remember the pastor's sermon today. Because whatever ministry you may be part of, God is not dependent on you. You are dependent on him. All right, Philippians chapter four. I'm gonna be reading, starting in verse 10. Read along with me. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. You are the source of our strength. You are the source of our life. You are the source of our joy. You are the source of our everything. So Lord, we come to you. We submit ourselves to you and to your word. Holy Spirit, work in us. We invite you to shine light in dark areas of our lives that we are trying to hide from you. God, we invite you, please let your light shine. Father, grant me words to speak this morning. Spirit, open our ears and our hearts to receive the message you have for your church. To you be all the glory and all the praise forever and ever. Amen. I don't have enough time to, uh, to be able to exposit the entire book of Philippians. Um, it's, a, it's a wonderful book. Ah, man. So I can't really give you everything that's led up to this passage that we're looking at today, Um, but just uh, for a brief synopsis, Paul is writing to this church in Philippi, uh, this church that he and some others had founded um, years in his past, Um, and he's writing to them uh, to encourage them, to strengthen them. But he's actually writing to them in response to something they, they had done. At the time that Paul is writing this, he is in jail he is in a Roman prison under guard and uh, being in jail back then wasn't a great thing. Um, they didn't have laws about, um, about you know, human basic needs and um, it's not like jail today. You didn't have any rights when you were in jail. They didn't provide for you. You were dependent on friends and family giving you food and clothing when you were in jail. And so Paul's writing from that situation. Um, And the church at Philippi had sent one of their own, uh, this man named Epaphroditus, they had sent him to Paul to encourage him, to strengthen him, and to provide for him. They had given Paul financially and, and material things so that he could survive. And Paul's writing in response to that. Our key verse is gonna be verse 11. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. To be content. When you think about the word contentment, um, it's it's probably um, summarized or defined by this idea of being satisfied with what you have. Right? Be content with what you have. Which, that's okay. That's, That's okay, but that is a dangerous theology. Because what you're doing when you are, are being content with what you have is you're actually comparing yourself to other people, right? I mean, I'm, I'm guilty of this, I've done this with my kids. I want them to be grateful and satisfied with what they have because at least they have more than somebody else. That is not what Paul is saying. Paul has many, many physical needs but he says he's not in need. Now, Paul probably didn't actually pen this letter himself. Usually, he would dictate it to somebody else. And so I want you to imagine for a moment, Paul sitting in a Roman jail. They didn't have proper plumbing and sewage. So just imagine the conditions there, right? There was no heating. There was no air conditioning. Just imagine the smell. Paul's writing there and he's dictating, and he says, I don't have needs. Imagine you're next to Paul. (laughs) What? I've got plenty of needs, Mr. Paul. What are you talking about, you don't have any needs? Because Paul is content, and his contentment has nothing to do with what's around him. Paul's source of contentment was elsewhere. Where is your contentment, church? Where do you seek contentment? We're entering into the Christmas season, right? And man, our culture wants you to know you should not be content, right? You need this fancy gadget, right? You need to walk out your front door and there needs to be a brand new car with a massive bow on top of it, right? That's what you need, because you should not be content in your current circumstance. problem is if you are seeking contentment in physical things you will always be unsatisfied because there is nothing on earth that can satisfy you like that Snickers might say that they satisfy but it doesn't all right Walmart might tell you that if you save money you live better but you don't do you I I looked up um, there's a, there's a list that was published of the 25 wealthiest Americans to have ever lived. And, and it kind of put it in $20, $23, and, and I was kind of going through the list, and a couple things I noticed. One, most of the folks on that list are dead, so I'm not sure how helpful their money is now. Um, a lot of the ones who are still alive are divorced, so their money can't really buy them peace or, or happiness. Um, But the number one person in America, the richest man in America ever, was John D. Rockefeller. And by 2023 dollars, he had over 300 billion dollars. 300 billion dollars, right? That's more than Jeff Bezos, that's more than Elon Musk, that's anybody, the richest man ever. One time a reporter asked Mr. Rockefeller, how much is enough? How much, Mr. Rockefeller, how much more do you need? And he said, just a little bit more. 300 billion dollars is not enough if that's where you're seeking your contentment. Godly contentment is non-circumstantial. Godly contentment cannot be taken from you. All right, look at verses 12 and 13. Paul says, I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, of abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Because true contentment is not about what's around you, but about who's within you. Okay? True contentment, not what's around you, not what's in your pockets, not what's on your table. It's about who is within you. That is why Paul says he can do all things. Even though, by worldly standards, he's stuck in a jail with nothing. But he can do all things through Christ who strengthens him. Christ is our contentment. But Paul said he had to learn this, right? He said he had to learn that. He went through all of these circumstances he's describing, he had moments. Of abundance and he had moments of great poverty I mean the man sitting there in jail with scars and he's probably still bleeding and like he's had to learn contentment in Christ we have an opportunity to learn from Paul or the Lord might give us our own experiences but we need to learn this because this is not a natural thing this is not of our flesh this type of contentment. Because the world is screaming at us to not be content. The world is constantly telling you, you need more. You're not enough, right? And we need to tell the world, that's a lie. Because I have everything I need in Jesus Christ. Psalm 37, four. Anybody know that one? Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Delight yourselves in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. We all have this desire in our heart. Not just those here, but all people of all time. You have this desire, this longing, this yearning in your heart for something. Like there's something there. There's something I'm missing. There's something out there. And so what do we do? We try to fill that something, right? We try to make a little bit more we try to get the newest gadget. We try to get a better job. We try to get a better spouse. Whatever it may be, we're just trying to fill that longing in our heart. You delight yourself in anything other than the Lord, and you will be left unsatisfied. Right? Just read through the book of Ecclesiastes. Right? Ecclesiastes, the author is just like, Time and time again, I tried to do all this. I tried to amass wealth. I tried to do everything to please myself and it all was utterly meaningless. Like smoke or vapor, it just vanished. Meaningless. If you try to delight yourself in anything but Jesus Christ, you will be left wanting. So how do we do this? How do we have our contentment in Christ? you pursue him you pursue him with everything you've got All right In the book of hebrews chapter 12 Sorry, chapter 12 verse 1 and 2 he says therefore since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses let us also lay aside every weight and sin which cling so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us looking to Jesus the founder and perfecter of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God you pursue Christ you pursue Christ and him alone and you will find contentment if you are trying to pursue after things of this world you won't find Christ and you'll be left lacking. But if you pursue Christ, he may or may not grant you material things. That's another sermon for another time. But if you pursue Christ, you will find contentment. You will find satisfaction and you will find the delight of your heart in him because he is the only thing that can satisfy. 500 million years from now, when we are before the throne, singing praises to God. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. When that is perpetually on our lips, when there haven't been tears in our eyes for 500 million years because he wiped them all away, when there has been no more sorrow, no more grief, no more torment, no more sin, when that is all gone, what will this matter whether you are hungry or filled today? What will it matter if you have something in your pockets or you don't? It's meaningless, it's meaningless. It's all about Christ and him alone. So what do we do, what do we do? What does this type of contentment in Christ allow us to do? It's like that old hymn says, the things of earth will grow strangely dim, right? When you're content in Christ, you are then free to pour out your life. We're going to kind of walk back through Philippians for a second. In uh, chapter twelve, or excuse me, chapter three, verse twelve, he says, "Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me His own, brothers. I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do: forgetting what lies behind and straining forward." To what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Back earlier in the chapter, verse 7. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Chapter two, verse 17, even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Chapter one, verse 21, for me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I am to live, if I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful label for me. Yet which shall I choose? I cannot tell. I am hard pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Look back up in verse 12. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me, right? See him in the jail. What has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. Contentment like that. God, use me however you want. I'm yours. I don't need anything. I'm yours. In Romans 12, Paul says to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. When you have this type of contentment in Christ, everything about your life, your time, your money, your skills, your possessions, all of it is on the table for the Lord to use. And he can use it as he sees fit because it's not yours anyway. and 500 million years from now, it's not gonna matter. But what will matter is what you've done for Christ. Content Christians are free to give. So if you, if you find yourself struggling with contentment, you can examine yourself. You can examine your life. Do your pursuits line up with what Paul is describing here? Can you honestly say that you have learned in whatever situation you are to be content? Because you should be able to be content whether you have money in your pocket or you don't. Because money in your pocket has nothing to do with contentment. So does that describe your life or are you more like Mr. Rockefeller where you need just a little bit more, just a little bit more? The is always on the, just one more hill to climb. Contentment's always just out of reach. Yeah, yeah. Which one of those describes your life? I'm gonna leave you with a couple of stories uh, to reflect on. There was a, a, a young lady, um, who grew up in the Carolinas. Her name was Charlotte. Uh, this was a couple hundred years ago. She, uh, she grew up in a very well-to-do family. Um, her older sister I was actually, if I recall right, she was the first female physician um, and she served in the, in the Civil War as a physician. So Charlotte had everything she needed. She had comfort, um, she was brilliant. She could have gone in her sister's footsteps and become a physician. Um, but she felt the call of God in her life. And God took her out of that comfort and she left and went to China and served peoples there who had nothing. And she gave, and she gave, and she gave. She gave to the point that she had nothing herself. The people there in China, they were starving and so she gave him all of her food to the point that when she finally had to be brought back to the United States before her death, she weighed maybe 80 pounds because she poured herself out like that. So her name was Charlotte, but most people knew her as Lottie Moon. I had no idea that Vern was gonna be talking about Lottie Moon Christmas offering today. There's another man. He's uh, he's still alive. His name's Jason Brown. He... um, was a lineman in the NFL, massively skilled. Um, and I think it was within in seven years in his career, um, he had a $35 million contract before him. But God called him elsewhere. Jason Brown walked away from that contract and he bought a farm. And now he grows food and every year he gives away hundreds of pounds of food to those in need. He could have had everything he wanted in this life and he said, no, I already have everything I need in Christ. We are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. So please throw off everything that will hinder you from running the race before you. Brothers and sisters, I don't know what Christ might be calling you to do or to give but he has promised you contentment in him. He has promised you life everlasting. I mean, we're coming on this Advent season where we, where we anticipate the coming of the Christ child, right? Just think about what he gave for you. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. He despised the shame, but for the joy before him. What is the joy before you? If it's something that's going to fit under your Christmas tree, it's not going to last. If Christ is the joy who's before you, though, that is an everlasting joy. And nothing in this world can take that from you. Church, we have a, a great mission before us. and we are called to live on this mission together, to reach those who right now are walking blindly, who are walking in darkness. I don't know how the Lord is calling you to give. I don't know if he's calling you to give financially, to give of your skills, to give of your time. I don't know, but please, when he calls, listen and obey. Because there is great joy and contentment waiting for you.